Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us again. Today, we're going to have the opportunity, even though you may be listening to this while the sun is up, the fact is we're going to spend a night at the drive-in. The current issue of American Road Magazine has a wonderful compendium article, A Night at the Drive-In, 32 Classic Picture Parks Across North America. What an extraordinary phenomenon the drive-in theater is. And people would say it's well past its heyday, but they would be wrong because there is an association of drive-in owners and operators that maintains this American classic form of outdoor entertainment to this very day, and it is still going strong, amazingly strong for those who fell out of the habit of going to drive-in pictures. I know I went as a kid countless times, and it's been a while, I admit, but to be able to go across the country and visit drive-in theaters, each with their own personality, is a wonderful experience. Today we're going to meet a grandfather and grandson, yes, quite a pair, Wes and Brian Neal. They are the owners and operators of the Boulevard Drive-In in Kansas City, Kansas. Owner Wes Neal started working at the drive-in theater in 1954, making $3 a night. He was born in 1927, and he is still an iconic presence at the drive-in. He continues to take tickets and roam the grounds with his welcoming presence, but he has handed over most of the business to his more tech-savvy grandson, Brian Neal. And we spoke with Wes and Brian earlier in the week. They were excited to join us, but not as excited as we are because we're going to spend a night or a day at the drive-in talking about one of the best of the best, the Boulevard Drive-In in Kansas City, Kansas. Wes, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. I wanted to start with you, Wes. We're delighted to have you both. We're going to get plenty of information from both of you because our listeners, and we appeal to the road travelers, they hit the road, and it isn't just Route 66, the mother road. They go all over North America. Some folks listening to you now are going to eventually pull through the gates along that winding pathway leading past the iconic sign of the Boulevard Drive-In. Wes, you started working there in 1954, and I understand that now that you are past the age of 90, God bless you, you're still on the job. Well, do something you like to do, you just stay with it. And I take it that you're making more than $3 a night? Just sometimes. <laughs> in the article you read that Wes says sometimes he makes four dollars and <laughs> this is fantastic so you started working in 1954 today you're an advisor and a greeter you've been the actual proprietor since 1993 and you had leased it as far back as 1984 is that correct that's right yes 
Wes, how do you explain your devotion to this particular location, to this wonderful Midwest flickering paradise that people go to, uh, sometimes jamming it to the 600 car limit? How, how do you stay so engaged with it? You must have a tremendous love that just never dies. Well, I think that's the whole thing right there. It's just something I like to do. You know, I worked at Bayer for 25 years, and uh, I worked two jobs all my life, but uh, I like to drive in better than anything I've ever done. Well, I can understand why that would be the case. It's, it's the kind of place where people go and they have memories of being outdoors, watching a wonderful movie, and then they remember both the theater and the movie. It becomes a joint experience. I'll tell you this much. When I was very young and uh, pretty naive, after all, I was just a little parochial schoolboy at the time, age of 10, my folks took me to the, a drive-in in Southern California where I grew up, and I watched Goldfinger. Wow, that was an eye-opener. My first James Bond movie. And it, it was there at the drive-in, and I remember the snack bar. I can remember the vintage movie posters in the snack bar. All these years later, I still carry those images with me, and that just tells me what an iconic experience going to a drive-in actually is. Well, it's always fun, and there's always someone to talk to, always something to do, always something interesting going on. I'm sure there is. And at this point, let's bring in Brian Neal, your grandson. He is the tech-savvy guy who keeps the place running day-to-day. -day. Brian, welcome to Trip Talk. Glad to have you with us. Well, thank you. I wanted to, to have you gentlemen, and uh, please feel free to go back and forth. We're just having a three-way conversation like old friends here. Brian, when you look at the operations of the drive-in today, what did you need to do to restore the appeal of the past and yet make use of modern technology? Well, you know, that's kind of what brought us back into the picture was when we went digital. We got a lot of publicity um, because we knew that change was coming and it was going to be mandatory, yet we did it a couple of years before the mandatory changeover. Now, you talk about a mandatory changeover. Is this approached in the same way as most other industries? There are certain standards that have to be met? Well, it was more more the movie studios uh, were going to stop making film uh, print and move to digital print uh, because it's cheaper and less dangerous. Plus, you can get a better quality picture. Sure. And so you, you just went along with the times and you've been able to capitalize on that. Here's a question that I would ask any drive-in theater operator today without having actually been there myself. At the Boulevard Drive-In, how do people get the sound? Are there still the metal boxes that you put on your window along the ledge there in order to get the movie? How do you hear it? Yes, we, we have, uh, like you said, 600, 650 speakers to include the, the loudspeakers that we have around. Um, but we also broadcast in FM. And I believe we were the, the world's first uh, digital sound drive-in in 1999 as well. So we, we do both. Uh, we broadcast over FM so people can tune the radio in, or you can use the speaker that's on uh, East Pole to listen to it. The old-fashioned experience, in other words. Right, right. Now, you, 
people don't realize that that wire's been underground since 1949, you know, <laughs> and so uh, some of the wires uh, definitely need some some replacement. But uh, for the most part, the the sound is is really good at the at our theater. Sure, uh, I'll bet it is. Wes, I wanted to ask you, you're an iconic figure there in the Kansas City, Kansas area, not just at the place where you still are employed. Tell us a bit about the history of the drive-in and the approach to it. I understand that there's a lovely winding path with some trees that, let's face it, have seen better days, and haven't we all there? But there is a classic look, and people will talk often about the entrance to the drive-in itself is a lovely drive. It's a lovely approach to this drive-in experience. Well, that's right. You know, our, our drive driveway is probably an eighth of a mile long, and it <clears throat> leaves the highway and and winds down around toward the theater, and it goes past the theater, then turns around and comes back. And on each side of the uh, driveway are the big old elm trees that, that uh, envelop the driveway. It's just like a, a roof over the driveway, and, and people like driving through the trees, you know, as they come in. It's a it's a good first impression. Well, actually, it's a second impression because the first impression they get is our uh, is our uh, beautiful marquee at the at the road. And that's that's the first thing that they notice, and then the second thing is the the tree lined driveway with overhanging trees, and that's. Uh, People like that a lot, you know. It's a, and then from there on, it's just a drive-in experience. Well, the third thing they notice is how full we are. <laughs> Good for you. That's great. Your capacity, and I've done a little homework here, gentlemen, that you accommodate 600 cars, but at one time there was need for a full 700, and you could beat that total on some given nights, maybe in summer, where you went, uh, on one occasion at least, to about 1,100 cars jammed in there. Well, I don't I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, we, we do overflow still quite often. Uh, there's uh, probably uh, nothing unusual for drive-ins today is to be over capacity because we have one of the uh, not the real large drive-ins but we have a, a bigger drive-in than average in the nation and uh, still sometimes on Saturday night we will exceed capacity it's due to our grassy area around the theater um, which of course, our drive-in is located, like many drive-ins, next to a creek. And that creek uh, tended to flood us uh, for decades uh, before the Army Corps of Engineers and uh, the city decided to do something about it. So they actually bought a strip of land next to the creek, and they built a, a, an Army Corps levee. Uh, that, that stopped the flooding. Uh, from happening from the creek side, but because they did that, I reevaluated. We really like the green space for people to, you know, throw baseballs or frisbees, um, and so I I came up with a plan to move the other fence closer to the driveway instead of down into the field. That gave us uh, even more green space. Um, we built a little pavilion there. We call it the party pad. People at birthday parties or company outings. Um, on that party pad, 
in the grassy area before the movie starts. Um, and, and that's what gives us a little extra wiggle room to, to put some more people in there. And, and like, like I said earlier, they just tune the radio into uh, our radio station and they can hear the movie fine. As long as they can see the screen, people are happy. I'm curious to know if people listening on FM ever need a jump when they're done. Do you have battery cables <laughs> handy just in case? Yeah, we have uh, we have three jump packs that we uh, allow <laughs> customers to take. You know, here, red to red, black to black, start to start, bring it back. Um, and then we have a fourth um, jump pack that's a little bit lighter and, and newer with the lithium-ion battery uh, that my uncle uses uh, that it's easier for him to uh, navigate. But yeah, sometimes all four of them are out uh, working very hard. Before I get into a little more of the history, because there's been some wild history uh, weather-wise at the Boulevard Drive-In, I'll get to that in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you gentlemen about how user-friendly you are, because I understand that people can even bring, you have a family piling into the car, going to the drive-in, they can even bring pets with them as long as they clean up after them. I think that's a pretty relaxed attitude toward having pets and creating a family experience. Absolutely. Uh, we are on bringfido.com uh, as a pet-friendly location, and I haven't had, I haven't personally seen any uh, issues between animals uh, at the the theater. Most of the dogs that come down are pretty quiet, and uh, people know how their dogs are going to react in a public location, so we they keep the rowdy dogs at home. Sure. Tell about the Pet Cemetery at night. Oh, yeah. We, this year, we, we did our second uh, Wayside Ways as a uh, non-for-profit, no-kill shelter here in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, and we, we tried to do a little fundraiser for them with a $5 suggested donation if you bring uh, an animal. Uh, we did that during Secret Life of Pets. And, you know, we did some silly dog tricks on the big screen before the movie started. And and uh, just uh, Wayside Ways brought pools and some toys for dogs uh, to play with before the movie started. I think one of them wants to go to the theater right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my pup. She's in the in the background. She's too rowdy to go. <laughs> and I think I, I think you're yes. probably the only drive-in that can uh, put the audience on the screen and put anything in the theater on the screen. Oh, really? No, that's an interesting concept. Everyone has that capability, and actually, this is a whole other story. When we first went digital, how I came up with this idea. I was just racking my brain. What else can we do with this digital? I'm a technical guy. I have a telecommunications management degree and uh, very uh, technical-minded. And I literally woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, sat up in bed, and said, we could do live video like a kiss cam at the stadium. And so I I went ahead and and got the, uh, the camera and the cable and the extra equipment that needs to go in the projector to hook up that cable. Um, and every night before the movie starts for 15 minutes, we see we have to wait, not just till sunset, but 30 minutes after sunset. It's called last light because our screen faces west, and that's it puts a lot of light on. So we have to wait till last light to start the movie. But about 15 minutes before last light, you can start to see an image on the screen, and as it gets darker, the 
the picture gets better and better and better. So I took that 15 minutes, and I get on the roof of the snack bar, and I just kind of circle the drive-in, zoom it in on people, dancing to the 50s and 60s music and the kids. And then once it's so dark, I can't get out very far. I have some floodlights on the patio, and all the kids come running up to the patio, and they're making faces and dancing, and their parents are taking pictures of them up, up on the big screen. And uh, it's really fun, and, and they seem to really love it. Really I can see why they would. We may be taking a picture of some guy out there with someone else's wife. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no snack bar in the world that can fix that. <laughs> yeah, no. That's uh, for nope. sure. I wanted to ask you, gentlemen, about the uh, the screen itself. I understand that this is not the original one because back in March of 1971, were you working there, Wes, that night in March of 1971 when Mother Nature got rough with you? Well, actually, I was not there at that time. But I think about a week a week before that, I had resigned my position at the drive-in, and I wasn't working there at, at the time. But uh, when the screen came down, why? I went back to work and sort of oversight, oversaw the uh, erection of the new screen, and, and then uh, I uh, just stayed there forever. Brian, give us a little of the history of that that event, what happened, and, and also what can happen with these rising floodwaters that the Army Corps of Engineers came like cavalry over the hill to repair. Um, what can happen with when the floodwaters come up? In particular, back in 1971, that was a, it wasn't just a storm, it was a big sudden storm, and it brought a lot of damage in its wake. Yeah, that was the year I was born, so I might want to ask Grandpa about that one. I don't know if that's the time they bugged the train over the bridge, because there's also a train next to the theater where the, the creek goes through. Well, it's hard to differentiate between one and the other, because... We would flood two and three and four times every year, and we had to clean up every time. So uh, one is almost as, as bad as the next. But uh, in uh, in eighty, uh, well, fifty seven was our first one, and we had to float cars out of there uh, uh, when the water was about four feet deep. And uh, and then uh, there wasn't another one for a few years, and then. They started coming more frequently and more severe as time went on. And uh, finally, about 10 years ago or so, the, uh, in 1998, uh, every time we would flood, it washed the railroad bed out, which the railroad runs right, right adjacent to the theater. Yes. And uh, the... Creek Bridge goes under the railroad right there at the drive-in, and the uh, creek would get full, and, and the water would get up the wash railroad bed out. And in '98, the railroad knew it was going to flood, so they parked a, a train on the tracks at that position, at that place, to keep it from washing the railroad bed out. And it it worked for a while, but. Uh, uh, water stacked up against the train about eight feet deep, and it turned the train over. Oh no! And, and uh, so we, the water was above the snack bar. And when the water went down, I had to pull brush off the top of the building. But then, when that uh, train turned over, it just uh, created a tidal wave, which went down through Rosedale, which is the 
Oh, incredible. Well, I think that only highlights the durability of your commitment, Wes and Brian, to the Boulevard Drive-In Theater. It, it has survived all of that and today is still going strong. I just love that. Before we leave, though, I did want to ask the two of you to give us a little insight. And I know some of this information is pretty closely held, which was a bit of a surprise to me when I first found out. But there are 200 or more owners and operators of drive-ins who formed an association and they even publish a guide every year. But it's not a guide that somebody could go to their local bookstore or get on Amazon and buy. This is all very intriguing to me. Yeah, mostly everything's gone digital these days. Now we still get a phone book uh, from the uh, UNITOA, uh, and that that information is confidential. Um, but it allows us to have access to other theaters if we need to call anyone, uh, have questions or anything. But a lot of that's done online in a closed uh, group uh, setting where we can have discussions with each other. Hey, I have this problem with my projector. Does anybody know how to fix it? Or, you know, my my steamer, uh, there's a guy right now with a piece of popcorn uh, popper. His, he broke a, a wire off and has got one ordered but needs to rent a popcorn popper. Um, all kinds of things go on on the private group. That, uh, just about theaters, you know. There, and this is... Are, uh, 159 members of the United Drive-In Theater Owners Association, 159 members, and there are uh, 185 theaters which are non-members, so that makes a total of 344 drive-ins in America. And people thought the drive-in theater was dead as a, as a means of enjoying a movie. That That just warms my heart to know that people can have such a wonderful variety of experiences across North America. And I guess the great news is, and you guys are responsible for holding up your end of it, no two drive-in theaters seem to be alike. Oh, yeah, none of them, uh, none of them are the same. I'll tell you something else interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I always thought Canada was too cold for drive-ins, but they have a lot of drive-ins in Canada. In fact, in St. Eustace, Quebec, they have a, a center park drive-in with five screens and a capacity of 3,300 cars in, in Quebec, Canada. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> that is just something else. And I do have time enough to ask you about your snack bar. Now, you know people are going to bring in their food. That's when the lady of the house brings in the big purse in the car, and it's not that you frown on it so much, it's that you want to offer very tasty alternatives at the snack bar so you'll get people in there and buy your food and enjoy it as part of the experience. Well, fact of the matter is, I don't think we could actually feed 700 people in the short <laughs> amount of time we have <laughs> during the movie. <laughs> but a lot of drive-ins have gone to uh, like a food permit for $5. You can bring in any food and drink you want. Now, some of them give a coupon for a free popcorn for that $5. Some of them don't. Uh, some of them charge $10 for a food permit. And uh, there is a push for drivers to go towards that route. Now, we obviously have our own uh, decision to make and have decided not to go with the food permit just because, you know, we can't feed everybody. Right. Right. And if circumstances ever change, you could always change your mind about that. But you're doing exceedingly well with what you have. It sounds like a marvelously run operation. Very 
film fan friendly and family friendly at that. I can't recommend it highly enough. I hope that circumstances bring me down that driveway into your drive-in theater sometime. I'd love to have the experience myself. Do you, are you familiar with the American Road magazine? Yes. As a matter of fact, they sponsor this show. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we just received one of those today. Oh, good. 35 drive-ins. Uh, talks about The store is about 35 drive-ins. In the, in That's the, correct. Uh, Magazine. Yes, the drive-in theater phenomenon is the is the cover story. As a matter of fact, uh, in the current issue of American Road, I recommend it very, very highly. Wes and Brian Neal, thank you, gentlemen. It's been wonderful to talk to you. I felt like a, a, when I was listening to you, I was going back to my childhood in those drive-in evenings. So thanks again, and I hope our paths cross somewhere in Kansas City, Kansas, especially at the drive-in on a very warm summer night. Yeah. You come on down. We'll put you on the big screen. I would love that. Thank you so much for being with us today. <laughs> Thank you for having us. We'll yeah, be back with night. you as well. We'll be back to wrap up this edition of Trip Talk right after this. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back as we wrap up this edition of American Road Trip Talk. American Road Magazine, the current issue, the cover story, which we've talked about only partially today. It's a great story of 32 existing drive-ins going strong. Drive-in theaters, the outdoor screens that brighten the night. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. <laughs>